love that music. It makes me, uh, it makes me, I can just see plaid. I can see cool facial hair. And uh, that brings us to our guest today, Brett Burmeister, who's the managing editor of Food Carts Portland. He's the primary fo Portland food cart resource um, in this wonderful food cart city. He's been featured on CNN, New York Times, Savour, among many places. He's always called by uh, pub publications to have him give the, his take on the Portland food cart scene. He was recently a featured speaker at the World Street Food Congress in Singapore, and he was the guy who decided which Portland food carts should be representing Portland in Singapore. Uh, he consults with other cities on food carts. There are a lot of food cart lovers in Portland, but this guy is the general, and we're glad. I'm really pleased to have him, so you should, uh, we'll enjoy this, and uh, learn quite a bit about our Portland food scene. Haven't seen you in ages, Brett. Hello. Hello. Got some headphones for you. So do you shave that? The I shaved this anti, morning. Yeah, you shaved yeah. that anti-patch. Yeah. I used to have this, and now I well, change it all the time. I thought about getting one of those things you get on, on, you know, on shopping TV, but... Right. I don't think that's no. They have to have the Portlandia version for the, for what you're wearing. Now. Right, that's good. So um, thanks for coming. You're welcome. Really appreciate your being here. Um, tell us how you got into food carts. You know, I uh, started writing again back in the early 2000s. Just writing on blogs. You know, when everybody had a blog, everybody was starting a blog. My dog had a blog. The neighbor had a blog. The street had a blog. Everything and. You know, it was an early time when you could take photos with a device and then quickly upload it, load it to a blog, like a Trio or the early Nokia phones. And I remember taking a photo of like the Schnitzel Witch at uh, Tabor, the Czech cart. And you know, that's a giant Schnitzel you sandwich. You needed the panorama for that. And well, they didn't, have yeah. it yet. <laughs> they didn't have panorama yet, but it's just this giant one pound sandwich and posting it. And just getting a response and, you know, come on, that's a, it's an ego boost when like you get 30 comments going, oh my God, I want to eat that. And so fast forward, I was writing for uh, Met Blogs and then Our PDX, different city blogs. And then uh, the uh, owner of Food Carts Portland, Lizzie Caston, who had started the website, she recruited me and asked and me to start. And what year was that? It's around 2008. Okay. So. And she had started the website in 2007. So I got in there in 2008 and pretty much took it over and... Put it made it to what it is today, and what is it today? Tell us what and, and tell us what you're what you're contributing to it and what it's what opportunities it's bringing. Yeah, it is foodcartsportland.com, and the goal of foodcartsportland.com is to be a resource for the food cart owners, for the food cart eaters, the cartivores as we call them, and for anybody who wants to find out any information about the street food scene in Portland. We document all the carts, all the pods, their hours, their types of cuisine, their location, etc. So it's a resource. But beyond that, we made a conscious choice to not do critique and to tell the story. So that might be the story of the vendor. That might be the story of why this food is unique. It might be the story of the sauce they're using. But it's, it's taking it beyond just this is good or this is bad or this is too salty or this is too fatty or this is amazing. We try to keep it positive. 
And, you know, that's been my uh, goal all along. I'd been in environments online where it was challenging, trying to fight off the uh, trolls, et cetera. And I just didn't want that. I didn't want that with this uh, Food Carts Portland uh, gig. And it's grown into being the number one uh, resource for, for the street food scene here in Portland. I think we have actively five or 600 um, posts on there. Um, there have been a thousand posts written over the years and I've eaten at pretty much every cart in town. And so you must have an exercise regimen. You can't. <laughs> is it just walking to the carts? Um, it, you know, it's a lot of things. A, it is, you know, I do uh, run, I jog. Um, a, a food writer for the Mercury a few years ago when he moved on, he said, the only reason I was able to do this is because I sat down and I said, I'm going to start running every day. So I do uh, run. I'm not a runner, but I do exercise in that way. And then, you know, my other thing was, um, as I've grown older, uh, I've realized I can't finish my meals. I just, I choose not to, you know. Back in the day when I first started writing and I had an office job in a tower, I'd go grab the schnitzel witch or the pod thai or Frito pie or whatever. And I just take it back to the cube and I just eat it and eat it and eat it and it would all be gone. And Because now, it was there. Because okay. it was there. Right. Now I sometimes take people with me. I uh, take it, I'll eat half of it and then take it home and sometimes feed it to the chickens, things like that. It's it's not a it's not a situation where I don't like the food. It's just I, I I I can't force myself to finish the meal. I have learned that if I don't like something, I mean, I was in the habit of actually finishing something that I didn't like, and I realized that's just insanity. Yeah, it's better off in the garbage than. Well, the- you know, and there there are very few things that I don't like. Um, I, I I don't know. I I simply like a lot of stuff. What a lot of some people would kind of call mediocre or. Eh, I, I'm fine with it, and I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try anything once. You know, where I run into challenges, you know, actually is with bread. Um, any something that just somebody hasn't put the thought into the bread with regards to a sandwich or the type of roll that they're using, it it sometimes takes away from what's inside. Well, especially at a food cart because yeah. that's pretty much all they're doing, and it's a, it's a very important. Part and, of what of what they're serving. Yeah, and we have some amazing bakers in town. Um, you can source bread from them cheaper than you can from Cash and Carry or from France mm-hmm. or from the you know the commercial level uh, bakeries. You know, Anjen makes these amazing butter rolls that are perfect for sliders, perfect for small little sandwiches. They're like forty cents a piece. They're right. cheap, and they are so much better than anything you can find at the store. And so I, I sometimes you know the way I say it is like. You can have an excellent, excellent beef for your for your burger, but if the bun isn't that good, it's gonna it's gonna taste. It's gonna it, change everything. I think so. it's half of it. I know uh, Rick at Lardo. Yeah. With Fleur de Lee, he was very adamant about that yeah. bun when he started Lardo, and look where he is yeah. now. And he he sources from a number of bakeries yeah. now, and, depending on the sandwich. And the the people who know and know their craft that well, they do that. You know, they know that they're going to get their certain roll from here, their certain bun from there, et cetera. A lot of them have, you know, they only want to work with one because it's easier because they have to go pick them up or, you know, some of these smaller um, smaller businesses, the delivery is not not there. And you want to minimize how many day, trips you're going every morning to pick up goods. It's a tough business. Yeah. it's uh, So if you eat at a cart and you don't like it at all, two things. Do you, how do you write about it? And do you 
are you objective with the owner and tell them your opinion, or are you, do you wait to, if you're asked? They probably they obviously are aware of who you are some of the time. Yeah, I, I usually um, introduce myself um, afterwards. Um, I with uh, with I, I've just learned that if I introduce myself like right off the bat, they want to give me free food, and you know my opinion about that. Something my parents taught me. It's like they're small business people too, so you know pay for your food, pay for what you're. There are people who are adamant and won't take my money, and I'm like, okay. But um, if if I if I truly don't like something, no, unless I know the vendor or, and it's maybe an off day for them, I'm not necessarily going to tell them that. Um, it's just it, you know, it's I'll just chalk it up as eh, I'll uh, move on. But again, what we're trying to do is we write about their story, and so those are times when I might just you know, what's what's your background? Why did you get into making this? Is it a family recipe? Is it from your region? Is it, you know, something you grew up on, et cetera? And, you know, you can write an amazing profile about a vendor and people love it and they don't realize that you really haven't written about the food. It's, um, it's the magic of writing and it's something I've learned over the years. Um, but like I said, very few times do I have something that is just like, oh, bad. And... Uh, that's a tough thing to deal with because you want to help improve and you also want to inform people. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. You know, I, you're, you're a service. There have only been a few times when I've, you know, when somebody has kind of pushed me and it's like, what do you think? I'm like, well, this just wasn't that good for this reason or that. And But again, I really, I don't, you know, I, people look at me in, 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 as an expert in this field and I, I don't want to crush someone's, you know, or ruin someone's day by saying the wrong thing. So I'd rather smile and go, no, it's great. Thanks. Yeah. That's smile. good. That's the Portland way. Yeah. Um, so I find it very difficult to describe to people because when they actually land at PDX and then come to Portland and you see these pods, it's like Disneyland of food. You can't, it's, you can describe it, but how do you describe it to people when people say, hey, what's the Portland food cart scene all about? How do you... How do you the way I describe it, um, you know, mostly uh, either to tourists or to like city officials from other cities, is I just have them picture a surface area parking lot in their in their area. And I'm not talking New York, Chicago, et cetera. I'm talking the smaller tier cities. But I say, picture a surface area parking lot, and then all the entire outer edge against the sidewalk is covered with mobile vendors facing out, vending to the sidewalk, and then you have hundreds of people who walk around stand there, chat, talk while they're waiting for their food. And when they picture that, they're like, oh. And then when they see it, like the lot at 10th and Alder, which honestly, I would love to get in one of the buildings and take like a great uh, vertical shot or an aerial shot of that. They realize that, you know, Portland's small city blocks, which which were designed in the 1800s, were perfect for creating these food cart pods. And the downtown core is where they started. And then we've expanded out into the neighborhood. So just imagine driving down your boutique street or a neighborhood street, which might have little shops, et cetera. And then again, you're finding a lot that might have between three and 10 food carts in it and picnic tables and tents and awnings, maybe a bar, a building. And heaters. And heaters for the winter, yeah. And it's this idea of trying to describe to them that you imagine these a food cart not like a hot dog stand, but a food cart, a, a travel trailer or a construction trailer that's about 16 feet long, and they're vending out the side or the end, and you can get pretty much 
anything you can imagine from them. We have food in the food carts. You can't get at restaurants here in Portland. And that's, I think, the other piece of magic that the 500-some the food carts offer. What are some of the um, most unusual food food carts that are serving things that you can't get in restaurants? So uh, we have a vendor, uh, El Taco Yucatico, up in uh, on 10th and, Wa- 10th and Alder. And while his menu is traditional Mexican, he's from the Yucatan. And so he has an item on his menu called the Panucho. And it's a Yucatan-style taco. Nobody really does that. And it's a the, what makes a difference is he's taken a masa cake with black beans inside it and cooking that as to create the tortilla. So, you know, I've brought people who travel Mexico a lot, and they've never seen that. And it's like from his area in the Yucatan. Beyond that, I, I went to a Colombian cart that is doing, um, they look like almost flower bowls. Like a, if you imagine what a flower, like a rose petal looks like, but then it's made out of yucca. So it's gluten-free. It's not flour. Um, flour, F-L-O-W-E-R. But, and then he's putting like almost a pulled pork or a, a chopped up pork inside it. It was brilliant. It was four bucks. It was like so inexpensive. Uh, on the east side, you know, I got to say the, um, the Italian market is just doing these amazing South Philly sandwiches. We all know Philadelphia for just the cheesesteak. And honestly, I'm kind of kind of over the whole cheesesteak thing. But the, it, it she, showcasing this other part of this amazing culinary city, you know, meatball subs and, you know, the bread and everything. And they're just knocking out of the park right by uh, Belmont Station. Um, lobster rolls. We finally got lobster rolls back in town. We had a great lobster cart maybe three years ago, and now we're back with uh, Main Street Lobster, bringing in lobster out of Maine and cooking up lobster rolls. It's, oh, it's decadent. <laughs> I love them. I've been, I've been saying for years, someone needs, I'm from Connecticut, so yeah. someone needs to do a lobster roll. Next, white clam pizzas. I've been talking to all the pizza people about white clam pizzas, but they're not doing those right, okay? There are pizza places that are actually serving white clams in the shells, which is not the proper way yeah, to that's, do it. Yeah, that's odd. No, it's well, you know, but, with, with that, it's interesting that we, um, we're importing a lot of cuisines from around the world. We're bringing, you know, vendors from around the world, from around the United States, bringing their regional cuisines. Hey, it saves me in plane tickets. I don't have to go to Carolina, the Carolinas to try the different barbecue. I can go down to a little bit of smoke. Yet I also look at what is the Pacific Northwest famous for? We're famous for our seafood. We're famous for our game. We're famous for all kinds of different things. And yet there's very few mm-hmm. vendors who are showcasing that. We have vendors who are sourcing local vegetables. We have vendors who are so- sourcing local beef and pork and heirloom pork and heritage pork. But nobody's doing trout. You know, nobody's doing, you know, Dungeness crab. Is it a cost issue? Probably. It probably is not cost effective. Yet we have New England lobster. They're doing it, and they're, they're charging. They're charging exactly what I pay in Connecticut right. for a lobster roll. So yeah. there's a lot of transportation. I would love going on to there. see a grill. Maybe I should talk to the People's Pig and make them because they have a mesquite grill. Have them do some some trout in the summer. That'd be awesome. He'll do it. Yeah, Cliff he will do it. Cliff will do it. Um, so, what is the official count on food carts now in Portland as of? At the end of 2013, beginning of 2014? Yeah, I talked to Multnomah County uh, last week. They have 800, early, low 800s as far as applications go. But because of the way the application process works, there could be a, a, a 50 to 60 
uh, number that is like in in flux of carts closing, carts changing hands, and new carts. Are we at the Are we at the high end? Or are we oh yeah, at the, we're this at is the, the most we've this ever. This is had. the most we've ever had. So, they were shooting at number of mobile food vendors. This is the key at around probably seven fifteen, seven thirty. Now. That includes catering trucks. That includes the traditional roach coaches. That includes all those different vendors who come out only during summer to the street fairs, et cetera. So if we look at our the Portland pod model, the 30 pods throughout, throughout the city and the vendors who are kind of there year-round, um, my last number was in about 525. Okay. And The number varies. I've heard number from 400 to 700, yeah. so I, yeah. I wanted to hear it from and, you. You know, I'm. I also am including a lot of the mobile trucks that uh, don't have a spot in lots. There are about twenty to thirty of them, and I also include uh, the outliers, like out in Gresham and out in Hillsboro and as far south as Woodland, the Mexican trucks that I have been able to find. You know, they're not in Multnomah County, so they're not being included in the Multnomah County number. But um, you know, they do. They are part of that broader food cart scene in Portland. Note to entrepreneurs: Southwest. Far southwest. Yeah. Nothing yeah. going on out there. Th- that's true. Um, you know, the question has always been, um, why doesn't Beaverton have food carts? And I, you know, my answer always has been, maybe the people who in, who live in Beaverton don't want food carts. You know, there, there's a market force there, too, that maybe people have tried to open food carts in Beaverton, and they're just not getting business. And, you know, there's a difference between... Beaverton and Gresham and Tigard and Portland with the demographic of cars and bikes and pedestrian walking, et cetera. Um, but it wasn't until last year that I learned that Beaverton has laws against it. You know, they have a you have to move every six hours law and they enforce it. So that has hindered the pod structure. And I, you know, I went to Beaverton last um, last year or earlier this year to talk with them at a city council meeting or a planning meeting. And they're they're looking at those rules. But again, Maybe it's the culture of the city that just doesn't want that because they have perceptions of what it is in Portland. And Gresham's the same way. I've been to those meetings too. And the people who come to the meetings like, well, I don't want, you know, there's a perception. So, Well, I'm talking actually also about Southwest Portland along Barber. I've seen one or two pop up lately, but there, there isn't a, there, there aren't a plethora of them. And yet, you know, my thing with that Barber, MLK, 82nd, Early on, when vendors started to open there, they weren't that busy. They're fast streets. People are cruising at 35, 45 miles an hour, and by the time they realize that there are food carts there, they're past it. Right. Um, the the one that has succeeded so well is Cartlandia out on 82nd because they offer parking, and they're kind of, if you if you drive up and down 82nd in that area, they're in a real food desert. Yeah, There's I've, nothing around, and so they can offer something to the community, to the bicyclists, etc. They have a nice group of carts, too. yeah. yeah. So the food cart business to me is a little transient. I think some of the real successful ones move on to brick and mortar. Some find other things. Charles at Eurotrash is now a bass player. Yeah. Um, but you know, you went to Singapore recently for the um, for the street World Street Fair. Is that what it was called? World Street, street, street Food Fair. Congress. Yes, yeah. Real Street. And you were you had you were integral in putting that together. Yeah, I was. Uh... Uh, engaged by Sito, uh, KF Sito, who is the food cart guy, well, street food guy of Singapore. And, you know, he engaged me um, because of my relationship with some other people here in America and wanted me to speak about, A, the Portland street food scene, because he saw an opportunity for this pod structure or what they do with the hawker markets 
as a model that could be used in the Philippines and in, in Vietnam and in India, areas where the vendors are just on the street. They're not necessarily organized. And the, and the governments want to get rid of that. Uh, and, you know, and what, one of the messages that I brought was you, Asia has had street food for centuries and you guys have really embraced it and you're awesome. And your governments are trying to be like, kind of like America and clean the streets up. And we're embracing it and we're bringing it back to the street in the form of food trucks around the nation. Portland's unique. Portland's different. We do have it off the street. We have it in the pods. But you go to any other city in this nation and the food trucks are rolling in every day and parking in front of businesses three or four at a time and they're vending there in the same kind of in a just a 21st century model of the traditional street food vendors of Asia. With Twitter. Yeah, and they use Twitter and Facebook. And many cities around the nation are now um, embracing the street food movement, uh, the mobile trucks, and they're identifying spots for them that are lucrative. And so everybody works together instead of it being kind of a, a fighting thing or like in Portland where it's just like, eh, do whatever you want. Uh, we can't <laughs> necessarily park on the streets and vend. It's uh, it's a parking rule uh, that is somewhat um, misinterpreted at times. But um, yeah, what I did with uh, with the Portland vendors, I, I identified three different vendors, Swamp Shack, Eurotrash, and uh, Papal's Pig. And they came over also and were able to showcase their cuisine to the to the eaters of Singapore and beyond. It was it was an amazing. And how were they days. received compared to some of the other vendors? Um, you know, they were received well uh, one, because a lot of the other vendors, there was a predominant uh, Asian influence in the, a lot of vendors. Great food, um, but it was predominantly Asian. And a lot of people from Singapore had already tried a lot of that stuff. So when they were presented with a crab, you know, soft shell crab sandwich from uh, Eurotrash or the People's Pig Porchetta, they were like, what's this? This is... This is American food. Where this did, is great. Where did Cliff source his, his pork over there? Did he? They did he... they were able to get him great pork, and he would do oh, I don't remember this number. Maybe ten or twelve a day, ten or 10, twelve porchettas a day. You know the. I remember the first wow. day his challenge was salt because they didn't have flake salt. They just had really fine salt, and you know he's like I just I just don't know how much to use, and he, you know you learn, and then the other thing was bread. Uh, just sourcing the right bun, and he was able to find one from a local baker. The best story was um, Cliff, uh, not Cliff, but um, uh, Trey Corcoran of Swamp Shack. He was doing a jambalaya, and then he was doing uh, prawns. And he cont- told him, gave him this whole list, and he needed cornmeal. And he gets there, and they give him cornstarch. And he's like, well, I can't do that. And so they were like, okay, well, what's cornmeal? And luckily, he had brought a bag of cornmeal. And he handed it to them, and they somebody went out and started shopping for it. Came back with a bag of Bob's Red Mill cornmeal from <laughs> Portland. And he was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. So they went back out, and they found four cases of this Bob's Red Mill. I cannot imagine how expensive Bob's Red Mill cornmeal is in Singapore. But he, it worked for him, and it was great. And so everybody loved his stuff. But he's oh, not yeah. here any longer. No, he... Uh, he had originally planned to go mobile with a food truck, bought a food truck, and uh, took it down to uh, New Mexico to outfit it because he had an opportunity to do some work down there. And he's just, you know, he's private chefing and uh, just enjoying life right now. So what does it take? Uh, you know, you have the Koi Fusions who obviously yeah. have a model and they're they're going to be Koi Fusion. And I think they have some a brick and mortar going up down in well. Down in Bridgeport, yeah. Right. So, um, but can you make a living? 
And what does it take to be successful as a food cart? And I know success is different yeah, to everybody. It's all, the, defi- defi- the definition of success is different for everybody. I asked that question maybe two and a half years ago, and uh, the the vendor who was moderately successful, very successful, very well known, he said, "Well, I'm paying my bills. I'm you know looking to put some money away in the savings. My my vendors, my, my staff are paying their bills. Every, everything's fine. And so, again, definition of success. I kind of look at it a few different ways. You, you know, how long does a, does a car stay open? I'm not sure that is the definition of success. There are some who open for three or four months and then close. Sure, you didn't do something right or it just didn't work out for you. But others are open for two to three years and they move on. Maybe brick and mortar, maybe, you know, rock band, et cetera. And then there are others who, this is what they do. This is just, well, this is what my family's done. This is what my parents have done. This is what we do. We open up a food cart and we, we, we're here for 10, 15 years, pass on to the kids, move on. You know, that's just what we've always done. And, you know, it's, it's happiness for some people. You know, they're working for themselves. They work only maybe so many hours a day because they've got their processes down. Um, that's success. And, uh, yeah. So um, everybody's got their favorite, and I hate the, <laughs> the, the favorite question, but uh, the best way to, and one of the, the ways I uh, couch it to chefs is, so people come in from out of town, you want to give them the best Portland food cart experience, where do you take them? And I know that, and let's, let's put a disclaimer on this, because uh, it, I'm sure it's important to you. This is your... This is your opinion right now. That yeah. could change in six months. Oh, it could God. have been different six months ago. But today, if some friends came in today, where would you take them? I usually take people down to 10th and Alder, right there, that food cart lot that has 60 food carts, and walk around with them. And that's kind of my opportunity to tell them kind of the history and tell them what's, what's unique. And then I kind of highlight the different types of cuisines. You know, Nong's Kamangai, Thai street food, Chinese dumplings from the dump truck. I love the fact that you pronounce everything perfectly because (laughs) I don't. It took me a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the Frank Scotsman with fish and chips and, you know, Karji Gogo with Georgian cuisine or Stake Your Claim if you want a a great uh, pastrami sandwich from New York. I then, you know, kind of tell them what I'm going to have for the day because maybe it's a cold day and I want pho from my pho or it's a day that I've had breakfast so I'm not that hungry so I'm going to get just a few dumplings or whatever and then everybody can kind of go and check it out and there's a park there if it's not raining we can sit but it offers such a variety of cuisines you can get Indian you can get um, Thai Chinese uh, South Carolina cuisine all kinds of stuff now beyond that if if it's like relatives, that's friends. If it's relatives, I take them to Mississippi Marketplace because, A, that's down the street from my house and I can walk. Mm-hmm. And there's the Prost German Pub, which I now have my own stool at. Uh, don't ask me about that. Does it that. have your name on it? It does. So people, no one sits on you. Well, yeah. Technically, I can take it from someone if I want a seat, uh, but I don't think I'm going to be that guy. No, but Mississippi that's Marketplace. That's pretty awesome in this town. <laughs> I would imagine there aren't many people that have a seat at any place. So congratulations yeah, you have to on earn that. It. Um, but Mississippi Marketplace has a great selection of vendors. Everything from breakfast at the Big Egg to Japanese ramen from Manizo, the over-the-top sandwich from Big S Sandwiches, Koi Fusion with their 
Korean tacos, Native Bowl for vegetarians and vegans, and Missgate Southern Kitchen for Southern food. How about Homegrown Smoker? And home, Homegrown smoke, Smoker for I went for to high school vegan. with that guy in Connecticut, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, it's just a wide, an excellent range of cuisines to satisfy pretty much anybody, even kids. And so they, they also have the tented uh, covered seating, or you can bring your food into the bar and, and have a nice German beer. So, you know, this weekend when the family comes to town for Christmas, uh, I think I have two or three dates with certain people to, yeah, well, let's just go to Prost because uh, I have my office over in the corner. So. I think one of the great things about food carts is when people are in town and you want to make sure to get them there is that they can pick what they want. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like a mall uh, food court. But so much better and yeah. so much more fun and so much more interesting. And, and, you can and be these a people little... are passionate. The people at the mall, that's just a yeah. formula. But, oh, yeah. And uh, you, can be a little bit, you can be a little bit spontaneous with the food carts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have amazing restaurants in this town. Just super amazing. And new ones opening every time. But you can't sometimes be spontaneous with them because everybody's being spontaneous and going to this one or that one. And then you're waiting in line for an hour. And sometimes you're hungry. <laughs> and you kind of want to eat. Whereas but the, carts the food can carts can be slow too. I, that's the, one of my gripes is that on a cold winter day, I don't mind it so much in the summer, but you know, I don't want to yeah. wait 20 minutes for, yeah. for my food. No, given. And I think that's one of the challenges. Too. But that's, that's why you ask me because then I'll tell you which, line, which one won't have the line and still get great food. I know that. So how much, <laughs> how much time do you spend at real restaurants versus food carts? And- oh, equal. Um, you know, I do have this thing when I'm like wanting to grab some lunch. Honestly, it is hard for me to go sit at a restaurant versus going to the food carts, mainly because when I go sit at a restaurant by myself, I'm by myself. I don't interact. But when I go to the food carts, I can interact with people. Uh, and so you don't sit at the bar and... Oh, yeah. I sit at the bar at places. But... Uh, you know, but even then, you know, I, I'm a talkative guy here, but I'm not going to just sit there and start chatting with the guy next to me because maybe they just want to sit and enjoy their burger. So, yeah, I do tend to um, eat at the carts during the week. But I've, uh, you know, this winter, I've really tried to embrace a lot of the um, Asian cuisine that is uh, just exploding on the east side, the ramen, the Korean, um, Vietnamese. And so I'm, I'm venturing to different restaurants a lot more, um, just once or twice a week trying something new, just because it's enjoyable to try something new. So, what have you had recently that you would uh, that you would tell friends about? Oh, I had an amazing um, soup at Soksab Bai, which used to be a food cart, mm-hmm. and they're down in off Twentieth uh, and Clinton, right near St. Jack. Yeah, right next St. Jack, and just Old it was Saint just Jack. over the top with quail eggs and chicken, and oh, just brilliant. And they have this whole cart that brings you all the sauces and. So that's an example. And then I also went to uh, Menizo's third or Shizego's. Uh, ramen place. I don't know the name of it. I can't pronounce it. But down off off division, it had another ramen. That's my thing. I'm just like really into like hot soups and noodles. It's, it's how do you keep it off your shirt? My problem with the ramen <laughs> is that it always ends up half. I end up with a new pattern on my shirt. And I and I my lean. kids love to point it out. Right. I lean a lot. <laughs> So yeah, that's the key. I have to learn that. I'm not. I think I'm just a little too relaxed. But yeah, no, we. I, you know, I'm married, and uh, early on with, uh, you know, we'd go out to the food carts. My wife would love enjoying that, but you know, everybody has their limit. (laughs) So yeah, when it comes to lunch on Saturdays or Sundays, we're going. We're going to a restaurant. We're, you know, we stick to our neighborhood sometimes uh, up in north, but other times we'll venture off to different places. We'll try different things. Huge fan of Mexican. 
I'll I'll try any Mexican restaurant. Um, huge fan of Mediterranean. We'll try any Mediterranean restaurant. So it sounds yeah. like you're not there. There aren't many cuisines that you're not a fan of, or are there? Are there? Oh, um, you know, I I've kind of jumped past the greasy spoon. I, I respect the greasy spoon. The 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 traditional old school breakfast and lunch that's you know the club sandwich. But again, it comes back to the ingredients, and I've I've trained my palate to kind of appreciate a little bit better ingredients, um, lo- organic eggs, and better bacon, and having a plate that doesn't have four pounds of hash browns on it, things like that. And so I choose to not go to those types of restaurant, you know, unless you're just going for a beer or a, or a shot, and you know, maybe some chicken wings, and that's a different experience. But going for a meal, I I tend to not necessarily go to the old old school places, unless I already know that I like them. Like, there's a place up in North Portland, The Fishwife. Sure, I'll go there any day. Because it's brilliant. It's old school, but it's brilliant. Oh, I think sometimes the old school places are overlooked in this town where trendy yeah. is yeah. is what's, yeah. what's but written then, about. But then there are old school places that people love that are they're not that good, you know? Well, but they survive just on they survive. Some, sort of, some sort of reputation. Yeah. yeah. So um, Generations have different, uh, di- different taste profiles. Do you can you uh, think of any particular food cart owners that are just really interesting people aside from the food? Really interesting conversations that you've had recently. I'm sure there are a lot of recently, them. Recently, yeah. Come to um, mind? I the owners who used to own Aladdin's Castle. I loved chatting with them. They own Dar Salaam now on on Alberta. Wh- what was amazing about that was a story. Um, the owner. The gentleman, I can't remember his name right now, but he had been living in Iraq with his family in Be- in Beirut, and had su- survived. I'm mean, sorry, not Beirut, but um, uh, in Iraq, and he had survived a car bombing, um, but was injured enough to ha- be evacuated out of the country, and then ended up in a uh, refugee camp in Amsterdam and met his wife, who was an American, helping out. They got married, came here, and opened a food cart, and and then his mother came over and. It's just one of those stories of what the street food scene here in Portland, what the food cart scene and the ease of getting into it and everything afforded someone who had been through a challenging, very difficult time. I just, that was a story that just touched my heart and really was, was passionate. And, you know, and then you got the guys who run Cartugogo. I, I appreciate what they're doing because Cartugogo does Georgian cuisine and not the state, the country. And the two owners are Peace Corps volunteers, former Peace Corps volunteers who you know, live there long enough to know the recipes, appreciate the food. And when they came back, they opened up the food cart. And they also played up on the, this Georgia, not that. You know, no peaches here. And I, I love the the whimsical aspect of it. But it's also presenting cuisine from a region that we don't have a lot of representation from. The the Soviet or the, you know, the former Russian co- uh, uh, colonies, not colonies, but states. We don't really have a lot of that. And they are offering just different dishes that many of us haven't seen nor do we have access to. So those are some 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 stories. Is there a is there a section of uh, Food Cards Portland that might indicate where these unique cuisines are? Oh, you, you have them, you yeah. have them indexed in certain ways. But. We have everything indexed via categories, so you can look for any type of food that you're looking for and. Uh, based on like regional cuisine, but also style. So we have French fries. We also have Georgian, right? Um, Italian. We also have pasta. We also based on location and hours. So you should be able to narrow it down. And and also, you know, drop us an email if you're looking for something. I do get I do get a- asked a lot. Hey, I'm looking for 
this? You know, what's the, where's the best pod Thai? Or do you have northern Thai? Or where's the best Vietnamese, et cetera? And so you learn, I, I just respond, oh, check this out. Check these options out. And I can immediately send them to one of the categories that has a list. So I guess I know the answer to this question. When you get the the you probably get a million of these emails. Where's where should I go? What's the best food cart? Yeah, it's so general. I guess you just send them. That's what your site's for. That's yeah, what... I send them to my site. Um, I depending on who they are. You know, if they're a foodie, if they're a press, if they're you know somebody who is who I know doesn't necessarily want to read through a listing of five hundred. I will give them a list. I'll give I'll, I'll give them you know here are ten to check out. Um, I got asked earlier this year, can you name like your top 10? It's, and it was for a publication. I just started writing down and I, I finally sent it to him. I'm like, I got 25 or 30 yeah. who are, who are knocking it out of the park, who are doing brilliant cuisine in their own right. Uh, everything about these carts is, they should be restaurants or they should be, you know, four star, uh, top notch, et cetera. I can't narrow it down. And they were like, wow, that's how good the street food scene here is in Portland. So it's just, and that I can, I could talk for another hour on, you know, the, what's, what's offered. Will you send us that list so we can put it up? <laughs> I'll see if I could uh, dig it up. Yeah. That would be cool. You know, we'll and, put it on right at the fork. But what's the, funny is, you know, just in, I think it was July and early August, I had press come to town, uh, both national and international press come to town. And we were going through the carts up at 10th, highlighting the different ones. Cause you know, again, 10th and 5th are easy because they're walkable and with cameras, et cetera, it's, you know, east side is challenging sometimes to cruise around. We went to Eurotrash and everybody tried the wonderful, you know, anchovies and foie gras. And two weeks later, Charles had sold the cart and moved on to being a wizard bass player. So, um, so that is a challenge. That is the transient nature. You, I kind of know who is doing what. I hear through the grapevine this and that, and oh, so and so might be opening this, so and so might be moving that. I don't know everything, um, and so you just you know you play it by ear. And when people sometimes react to that of like, oh, you told me to go to this this article, they get kind of angry because they feel like they've invested time to get somewhere. I'm like, just go next door. Something's going to be brilliant. Actually, Charles is working next door at the People's Pig. Sometimes my point is is that street food is an adventure. Have an adventure. It's only five bucks. It's only eight bucks. And Just, every one of those carts has a story. If you talk yeah. to them, they all have a story. Not only how they got there, but their life, right. their whole life story is yeah. right there. And it's just, you know, some of them are, are former bankers who now sell hot dogs. Others, you know, it's what their mom served them Where in the kitchen. Where is that guy with the hot dogs? I want to, <laughs> the former banker. I want to go support him if he's a former banker. Yeah, uh, Bro Dogs, Scott Smith, uh, Bro Dogs and oh, Burgers. Oh, I've been there. Great. Yeah, I didn't he, know that. Aren't they from the East Coast? No, he's from uh, the Pacific Northwest. Grew up here oh, in Portland and okay. lived in Seattle. And he uh, had his cart doing the sausage sandwiches down on 5th, but then uh, moved into a full, fully mobile truck and just drives around to different campuses in town. And he's the today he's actually over in the Lloyd District at the Kaiser Building. So if you want a gourmet sausage sandwich or a handcrafted burger, that's a place to go. Okay, great. So uh, let's cut through the grapevine and just hear directly. So what do you have? What exciting things do you have on Slate for 2014? What's going on for you? So 2014. We're going to try to expand our social media into Pinterest a little bit more, Instagram, try to reach those other audiences that we're not reaching. We're going to look at um, revamping the site a little bit to present things in a bit different way. I'm working with some uh, excellent 
designers uh, who are, they get paid in beer. No, beer and wine. But um, to really kind of, there's there's a different model now with the websites and how you can present content, because that's our site is content. Continue to um, upgrade and uh, take our mobile apps to the next level. I'm really looking forward to the festivals, the Eat Mobile Festival, the Summer Food Cart Festival. I'm hoping to get to some other festivals around the nation and uh, try to present Portland's street food model. And then, you know, it's summer. Summer is when it gets crazy. And there are two to three carts opening every year, every week and got to eat at them all. So I'll be uh, sending emails out to people going, who wants to have lunch with me? Because I buy. Oh, well, <laughs> make sure you have my email address right at the top. Um, so... Eat Mobile, I've been there before. Uh, First year, I loved it. Next year, there was a line seven blocks long. Is there something in place to fix that so it's not... You know, uh, I think that's just just the challenge of Eat Mobile. Um, Any food cart festival you're going to get around the nation is going to be that way. Because in order to pay for the festival, you have to sell a certain amount of tickets. Um, The vendors can only serve so fast. So... The way I look at it is, it's a community event. You have three hours. Enjoy the three hours. You know, just walk around, chat with your friend, make a new friend. Uh, I thought this year was better than previous years with lines, and I love the OMSI location. So hopefully, I'll be reaching out to. Uh, we'll be. Re- I'll be reaching out to Willamette Week to see how I can help in that that adventure. And you're also working on some other cities too, as well. Right? So we used to have a website in New, in New Orleans. Um, we've passed that on to the New Orleans Street Food. Food Truck Coalition, and so they're managing that. I do some consulting with some different cities, uh, Vancouver, BC, Tulsa, Wichita, just to kind of help their councilmen and their city policymakers to understand. You know, I, I kind of look at it as like, let the market decide. Don't try to overregulate. If you try to overregulate, it crushes the small business. Let the market decide whether your city wants street food or not. It's not dirty anymore, and make it healthy. And then and make uh, it fairly inexpensive so yeah. that the creative creativity yeah. can come through and it's not it, you don't lose businesses to regulation and right. and, and a lot uh, of bureaucracy. And you know I I hopefully have some speaking engagements at some uh, conferences here. Uh, you know I spoke at the National Association of Transportation Officials, City Transportation Officials. I can never remember the NACTO. And what they were looking for was we have all these trucks now driving into our downtown core. How do we manage that? You know, because there's an aspect of um, the traffic on the streets, how big they are, can they fit in parking spots? I was a different conversation that I hadn't had yet. But And so they were like, well, what did Portland do? Well, we took them off the street. <laughs> you know, But not every city can do that. So it was a great conversation. I'm like, well, identify spots then. Meter them. These are specifically for food trucks. Then they're not just roaming around. Uh, San Francisco actually had a study of how many trucks were driving across the Broadway Bridge. I mean, the, the Bay Bridge, because there was it got to a point where there was enough of them, because uh, it was cheaper to live in Oakland and it was cheaper to have commissary kitchens in Oakland than in San Francisco. So, those are the topics that are occurring nationwide. And you know, it's Portland's ahead of the game. We've been doing this. We've been doing the pod structure for at least thirty years. Everybody in the country has had street food. But this resurgence of food trucks, it's new to many cities. You go to some cities like Phoenix and uh, Denver, they have less than 100 food trucks. And that's new to them. It's they're, So they're trying to learn. And part of what I want to do is help them learn the right way. <laughs> so it sounds like you love what you do. I do. I do. It's, and- uh, it's a passion. It's a... It's a 
you know, it's a labor of love. And I, I get to do what I, I get to write, I get to interact, I get to, people say thank you a lot. Uh, that makes me smile and, you know, I go to bed happy at night. Well, the, the longest conversation we've had is a little passing conversation at an event. <laughs> I sincerely enjoyed having you here. Well, it's thank you very much. Awesome. You're a great guy. I really, I hope you come back often. I would love because to. Because you got a lot to say. I've uh, learned a lot and I'm going to be on your email list. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Email, email, uh, um, email notifications, all kinds of stuff. We're just, I'm just going to try to take the uh, site to the next level. Okay. Thank you. So And so Twitter, uh, people can follow on... Yeah, we're on Twitter at PDX Food Carts and on Facebook, Food Carts Portland, uh, Instagram, Food Carts Portland. Pinterest? Pinterest, Food Carts <laughs> Portland. But I think it's Food Carts P because they had a shortened name thing. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm expanding. And uh, then foodcartsportland.com and our, our mobile app is uh, Food Carts Portland Mobile on iPhone and Android. It's a great site. It's a... Uh, it is a site that uh, is a model for all food businesses here. You've got a, a ton of followers. How many? 50,000 on 50 Facebook? Th- 49. 49. Yeah. Well, we'll get it to 50. <laughs> Cup, click. Thanks so yeah, much. There are prizes <laughs> involved. But no, you know, I couldn't do it without the support of the community, the support of Portland. And, you know, Travel Portland has been a huge uh, supporter of us because I do the tours. And, you know, it's, it's Portland's a great city for this kind of kind of stuff. And they can find that the tours can be found on Food Carts Yeah, foodcartsportland.com slash tours. Bring your friend. I feed you. It's cheap. And uh, you get to, because I'm the food cart guy. There are a few food cart tours. There right? are food cart tours. But the one to go on would Is, absolutely would be, be the one and with you. Because I uh, I take you to the best carts and you get to try the best Well, not only that, I think you got the stories. I, yeah. I would have to imagine, I haven't been on them, but I, know, I think I know about some of the people. I don't think anybody's going to have the stories the way you have I got stories. a tour at noon if you want to join. <laughs> I actually would. Let's, let's do it. I'm in. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks. Do you have any idea what you want to say? <laughs> I was thinking uh, about, like, I really want to go on one of his food tours, yeah. and I want to, I should get that as a gift, too. That's a great gift idea is giving people the food tour. In fact, I got three inquiries from Portland Food Adventures about gift gift certificates while we were on here this morning. Yeah, I, food food tour gifts I think is just really nice because you're you're never sure if you know a specific style of restaurant is going to work with that right. person's palate or not. And so this way they yeah, get to something pick and choose more than just a trip to a restaurant. They're right, remember the whole thing. Right. Uh, he was a lot of fun. He knows a lot about a lot. And yeah. there's a lot to know. I mean, he knows it from the consumer, from the eater perspective, and then behind the cart, in the cart. Right. He knows that deal. Right. And just really smart with the way he's set things up. It's His site is so easy to use and searchable and just a, a wealth of knowledge. And I love that. I love that he's able to just compile everything for you because there's a lot. I mean, how many... How many food carts did he say? I mean, there's there's a lot. We'll have that as a trivia question. Well, I think he was up in the 700s, yeah. uh, depending on the type of food cart. Right. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on, and he keeps up with it. It's not something you can just say, I'm going to get back to that in a few weeks. There's something every day that he's discussing, that he's posting, um, and he's, he's the voice of the food carts, too. He'll tell you who's open, who's at a particular location in a special way at a, on a particular day. It's And then the backstory, too. He's right. got everybody's backstory. And the most important thing I learned is you got to run. 
apparently, to keep it all off. What right? do you mean you get? Oh yeah, that. <laughs> oh, obviously, I'm not even hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> that went right over me. Oh, I thought you meant you got to keep running, but right. But I actually, yeah, you know, what was really interesting for me was um, his indicating that it's not a review site, that it's about the stories. Mm-hmm. And really, I, I on Facebook this morning there was an awesome little YouTube video that someone posted up, and it was about every day, every moment being different. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you are in life, it's easier to see that, and sometimes it's a little more difficult. But every one of these food carts, inside every one, there is a, there's a wonderful story to be right. told and right. to be gleaned. And if you you don't have to talk to anybody, but if you choose to actually engage with some of these food cart owners, it's it makes to me that's the experience. The food is one thing, but the experience is. is really rounds it out. And you can't do that as easily at a brick and mortar restaurant. Right. Well, we'll have to get some of those people on the show. And and if any of our listeners have suggestions too, post it on our Facebook page. If they've gotten into great conversations with particular cart owners who are especially chatty and have a great story, let's, let's hear about them. And let's have, we got to have, we should have Charles back now that he's doing his heavy metal, um, Base thing uh, with uh, his, with Eurotrash. His career transition. And hey, I'm sure he has a few things to say about the food cart world, and he's still involved with it. He's yeah. still at, at the People's Pig, who was his next door neighbor to Eurotrash. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, food carts. Uh, it's winter time. It's good to think about them now. Yeah. Yeah. Go go visit them because they they need the business during this time of year, especially. Brave the cold. Brave the rain. We're Portlanders. We can do it.